Hi folks and thanks for listening to this Tortoise Shack podcast. This is a conversation I had myself with David Gillick uh, about 10 days ago. It was really, really, really a pleasure to sit down and talk sports, running, mental health, those dark moments, uh, the, the, a lot more besides. I want to thank David for his time. If you get something out of these podcasts, please give something back. Join us in 2023. The link is in the podcast right there that you're listening to now. It says patreon.com forward slash tortoise shack on it. So why not just try it for the month of January and see if you think it's worthwhile keeping these mics on and these conversations going. It's been a tough year. We won't lie. 2022 was a tough year, but we have muddled through and we've survived another one and we want to keep going into 2023. The only way we do that is with support from yourselves. The other thing I want to let you know is we have recorded a fantastic end of year wrap, which will be coming out over the coming weeks. Some of it you'll have heard already. If you are a patron, why are you listening to this? It's in it's in the patron feed and you'll have heard from the likes of um, Luke Ming Flanagan, Blind Boy, uh, the wonderful uh, Shauna Grant, Emma Langford, and so many 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 more um so if you want to hear all those now they're available on patreon.com forward slash tortoise and look we will get them out to the general public as quickly as we can but thanks so much for all the support thanks for listening thanks for sharing and thanks again to david gillick for being so open and honest i think this was a really really powerful conversation i enjoyed it so much and i hope you do too i won't delay any further enjoy the podcast Hello and welcome to the Echo Chamber Podcast. My name is Tony Groves and this is one of those indulgent moments where I'm actually telling you folks, I am meeting someone who I've been dying to meet for a long, long time. And I haven't told them this before we start, but you are an absolute legend and a hero of mine because as someone who is what a, what, what's loosely called a weekend warrior, David Gillick, you are a world-class athlete. It's lovely to, it's lovely to finally meet you. Yeah, no, cheers for, for having me on and also for the kind words. You know, I'm, uh, I'm quite embarrassed here now. Yeah. <laughs> well, no, but like you literally have the medals to show it. So, I mean, you know, like I, I often take the piss out of, um, saying I've set all the best 10k times for the topless uh, 10k <laughs> in Talker Valley Park, but that's because I'm the only idiot who's running around with his top off. Well, there's world records out there for everyone. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Just depends how you want to get there. Um, yeah, I like, yeah, there's a couple of medals along the way. Um, no, we, it's funny, like, you know, when people kind of say that to me, it, it's funny how my career in athletics kind of evolved. You know, as a kid, you kind of dream of being a professional footballer or, you know, yeah. you watch the likes of Sonia Sullivan on TV and you kind of think, well, you know, maybe that could happen. But like, truth be told, I probably never really thought that I'd have the career that I had or travel the world or compete at the highest level. So, you know, sometimes you kind of have to pinch yourself and go, actually, did that all happen? And, and I suppose when you're now, Looking back at that, you can, is it almost like it's in a, a separate Tupperware bowl almost? You're oh, looking. Oh, yeah. No, it is. Like, I'm, I'm 39 now. I retired first when I was 30. Mm. So like, it's nearly, nearly 10 years. Um, and even you got to go back further than that, you know, as to when I was actually competing because my last couple of years I had injuries and all that. But, um, it is sometimes you forget. And it's funny because the work that I do now with RT and I'm in, in these kind of stadiums and I'm interviewing the athletes, you often kind of forget, like, oh, yeah. I was one of them. <laughs> you know, I, I know what they've gone through. I competed at that level. Like the emotions and everything came with it. But I think life just takes off then, you know, family, young kids. And before you kind of realize it, it's kind of, Oh my God, actually, yeah, no, I was, I was an athlete in yeah. his life, you know? 
see, I struggle with that now as someone who thinks of you know what what we do on a on a on a Sunday morning as as, as actually still trying to stay active. But before we came on, I think it was like we were there going, yeah, and oh, we don't heal as quick. We don't no. do all this, so so we really don't. But your particular um, event was the four hundred meters. Mm. Now, this is it's a strange digression, but it's an important one. I remember um, a couple of years ago on a special episode of Police with the late Dr. Vicky Conway, we were covering the, the, the killing of George and Kencho. And one of George's friends was, was a 200 meter sprinter. And on the podcast, he made this amazing, like so funny in this dark yeah. topic where he said, I run 100, I run 200. Sometimes I run 400, but I hate it. Only, only mad people run 400. Yeah. Yeah. It, it's a good way of putting it because, yeah, you do have to be a little bit, a little bit mad. Um, you've got to be able to absorb an element of pain on an ongoing basis. Mm. Um, the training for, like, it, it's, uh, it's, we used to call it the man killer, you know, because every day when you're training for it, you'd be literally having to be scraped off the track. That was just the way it was because you had to hit that kind of system in your body you had to produce the lactate you had yeah. to push through it it was all about kind of toler tolerating lactic um, and it was never some, I was envious of other athletes I was envious of like say endurance or middle distance going out for their easy kind of recovery run or you know long jumpers I hated long jumpers because I got to <laughs> jump into a sand pit and it just looked like so much fun and then we have to like haul our arses around doing six by three hundreds and but, puking but you know? that's the thing I was literally going to say you because I remember doing bleep tests when I was playing basketball or certain things and it was it was almost traditional that you didn't you weren't really pushed until you gotten sick yeah yeah but that's what I'm saying you kind of you know you've got to push your anaerobic system that's what it's all based on mm. um, and the way you kind of do that is by pushing the body to the limit you're producing all that lactate and then you're trying to run through that because it's the last 50 metres over 400 metres is pure hell yeah. and you're, you know everyone is decelerating but the winner or the people who do well are the people who are decelerating the slowest, yeah. Um, the people who can, the people who can endure the pain the longest. Exactly, and and like, but I loved it. Do you know what I mean? Like, I, I did. I loved it. I loved kind of that slog. You know, particularly during the winter. Like, you know, it's mucky, and you're out doing like runs on the grass and all that sort of stuff. I loved that. It was almost just like a bit of character building. Um, and then like when it came to the summer, like the races. I I think mentally as well, you you really have to get your head in the game, knowing that you're going to hurt yourself. Mm. Um, and that's, that was something that I often watch, say, 100 meter athletes or 200 meter athletes when they moved up, like Paul Hessian, mm. um, former Irish, or f former Irish record holder over 100, still holds a 200. He moved up to, to do a 300 at one time and, uh, he ran very well, Irish record. It was in Ostrava. And I never forget him afterwards lying on the track going, my head, my head. He had never experienced that, yeah. kind of, um, lactic pain where your eyes and your head are just throbbing. Um, and that was the thing. And, you know. So it's literally like, it's, it's so give your body the maximum it can give in 45 seconds. Yeah. Yeah. 44 for me just dipped under. Yeah, that. yeah. <laughs> like even, um, you know, sports scientists, uh, the, the physiology, of kind of running, um, or in any sport, they'd say anything around that kind of like 40 second to 60 seconds, mm. um, max kind of pace or just, you know, really pushing the body is, is, is all that kind of lactic and it's really tough. So, you know, in cycling, I think they have the decay, mm. um, where it's just full gas, um, and it's the same sort of effect, you know. So anything around that and 400 just falls into that and it's, uh, but yeah. it's funny. This is obviously, this is a, an audio medium, but there's a, 
look on your face that says, I loved it. And it's kind of a little bit kind of also, I, I enjoyed, I enjoyed the misery. Ah, oh, yeah, I did. Yeah, I did. It's weird. Like, but like at the same time, there was a science to it. Yeah. And it was, some people kind of think, is it just like, you know, a full sprint? No, it's not. There is kind of sectors of it. There is sectors of it. And you break that down. That comes with kind of maturity and experience when you race, but you break it down 50 meters, 100 meters, you know, where you are on the track. And like, if I go through 200, um, you know, 0.1 or even 0.2 quicker than I should, it'll cost me mm. and it'll cost me 0.4. It'll double in the last hundred. So you need to get your pacing right. And that's where the signs and, you know, once you kind of get into that, you can find your rhythm. Mm. Um, and that's really important. You always know the last 50 or 60 meters is going to be pure hell mm. so you just got to try and stay upright yeah you know but you got to get to like 300 and 350 you know and that's where kind of the science comes into and that's where you're trained and even mentally you got to prepare yourself for battle like i used to always kind of think when war paint is on you know i'm ready for this you know almost gladiator-esque going when, into it but when you're doing a european indoor championships are you thinking okay. oh well, i loved indoors though yeah oh, like yeah. indoors Again, 400 meters, but it was two laps mm. and you break from your lanes at, mm. at 170. Mm. So like, it was like, let's go sharpen the elbows. And, I, and you, you know, loved that, did you? Ah, oh, a bit of, bit of argy bargy. And yeah, was that, it, yeah. and was that now, cause I know you ran a little bit of cross country as a kid. Was, yeah, was, did, some, yeah. was some of that come from that kind of, cause I, I, I know horror stories of lads finding elbows in, uh, yeah. <laughs> on the old, uh, I did cross country all the way up to my, uh, leaving cert yeah. in secondary school. I am. Um, and, you know, there was times I, I, like, it was a team of six and maybe like four to score. I was fifth or sixth, you yeah. know. Um, I wasn't a scorer, but I always kind of felt, I just, you know, I, I did. I liked that slog, that misery, <laughs> you know, I liked that finishing and going, yeah, it was yeah. a good day's work. And, you know, indoors then, yeah, like I, I liked that kind of, you know, you're up close and personal with people and there was a bit more aggression into it. Yeah. And I liked that. It was, you know. So, so there's more, it's, it's actually more of a com- competition because the, when, once the lanes merge and I've seen it, I've been out in Abbottstown and you watch them merge yeah, yeah. and, and it, it is actually a free for all in a way. It's know? a free for all. And then like you, you, you run your race slightly differently. You got to attack the race a little bit quicker over the first 200 to get yourself in a good position a little bit more kind of tactics because the the bends are um, pitched yeah. you know you've only got a limited space to get around someone um, and it's just a little bit more uh, it's just more exciting more fun and look I've been on the receiving end like world final in Doha I was I got tripped and barge and all the rest of it and missed out on uh, a global medal mm. you know uh, but at the same time it's like it, it it's it's all athletics I love it like it was I just, I, I love that competitive streak and kind of just getting up front and, and kind of personal with people. And then when you bring it now, like, I mean, I know you've touched on, you've, um, you've, you ran the marathon recently. You had Hell Week. We know all about it. We'll talk, yeah. maybe touch on them in a little while, but I do think it's, it's important also then say that, that that love that you've actually evolved that into becoming a broadcaster now. You've got your own new podcast with the, with the Athletics Ireland, mm-hmm. with the Irish, and it's what, it's the Irish Athletics podcast. And it's yeah. uh, first episodes with Kieran again. Like, you don't yeah, know. Yeah, I've got Kieran on to myself and, uh, Liliana Hora is, is co-hosting it with me. And the, the, it, the, like, the, the Limerick woman who says, don't, don't, don't say she's from Cork. Yeah, I know. Yeah, yeah. But she's great. And like, she's the she women's sport lead as well with Athletics Ireland. But to be fair to Athletics Ireland, it was their kind of, um, concept. They're trying to get, 
the athlete's voice out there more yeah. um, and make it, you know, I suppose provide a platform that people can actually get to know our athletes. And, you know, the, the, the trouble with athletics is that it's not a mainstream sport. So it comes and goes into people's minds mm. and then people forget about it. Other sports take over. So. And yet it's probably one of the most highest participated sports in the country. Yeah, yeah, it is. I yeah, mean, like, like numbers th- are, are rising and memberships are rising. And, you know, you look around, you mentioned the Dublin Marathon Park Runs. Uh, with the women's mini marathon, there's so many uh, run events. There's, there's arguably something on every single weekend, mm. um, and a lot of people run. It's it's a very accessible sport for an awful lot of people, mm. um, and you know from that perspective, it's it's got good um, participation numbers. And but at the same time, like it's it just gets maybe dwarfed a little bit by the bigger sports and more mainstream sports. Well, no, like no, there's no doubt in my mind, but I see it as someone who considers himself an active runner yeah, that, that yeah, I, you know yeah. and then I see you know like I could get 12 pages on the URC no offence to the rugby but I could get 12 pages course, yeah. you know what I mean and yeah. you can see all of these and I just know participation wise and, you know, and again it's kind of a bit selfish me, but I might be up in the Morton Stadium on a Tuesday and a Thursday watching kids seeing these 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 young youngsters that are going to be the next generation mm, as yeah. well and they're just and you just go wow like, yeah and, I, and that's one of the reasons the podcast we thought about it because like even you look recently with the World Cup and Ireland aren't even in it but mm. I was listening to the radio there after England got knocked out and there was hours upon hours about talking about um, English soccer yeah. and where it's going and the future and who's involved etc etc um, you know and when you look at it that way you're kind of other sports that we don't that we have a big involvement in just don't get the airtime. So, you know, from a governor body perspective, yeah, yeah. they have to take ownership ownership of it and try and do something. And but yeah, the, like but, but here's the thing then. You've then become this I think it was I don't know when there's an old there's wasn't when it became you're the face of the person who that we want we <laughs> want the athletes to talk to. We actually want them to to have yeah. that conversation. Yeah, I, like I, it's funny because like it, it's not something that when I retired, I was like, right, this is where I want to go or try and get into. Like mm. when I retired, I got, had a full time job. I was like, this is the rest of my life. And, yeah. um, you know, it, like it's taken me a long time to get to a point now where I'm happy and content and doing what, what I'm doing. But like even when I had a first, my first opportunity, I didn't make the London Olympics. I was mm. injured. And then they asked me where to go into studio. And I was like, yeah, yeah, I'll do that. And I was sitting in Donnybrook watching the London Olympics and I found that extremely difficult yeah. because you, I wanted you, to be there. Like. And you've spoken about the yeah. impact that that's had on, with, with, like talked about your, your own mental health which is, you know, like you've been on the record about it which is always really, I don't want to commend people, I hate the one that kind of, No, but it's yeah, just like, but, tell how it is, yeah, you know what I mean? Exactly, yeah. exactly. Like two, two, two gobshites here folks. By the way. <laughs> but no, but honestly, so, so, but when you see it in that and in, in that concept, in that concept because there is a part and I say this as someone who's changed careers and, and, and did things like that and, I, and I've, you know, totally transitioned away from some of the things like, uh, you know, I often make the joke that I helped, in, I, I, I helped introduce 100% mortgages into Ireland and, and helped own the place. <laughs> oh, so, don't say Yeah. That. But, but like when you think about the, 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 where you go and then you yeah. go, and I found that I almost mourned a part of who that person yeah. was. Did you have to? Oh, yeah. Yeah, like, you know, you could probably, when we talked about athletics and 400s and indoors, you could probably sense the passion yeah. and the enthusiasm coming from me. And it was something that probably defined me as a kid and then through my teenage years and then through my 20s, mm. like early adulthood, it was me. I was the runner. Suddenly it's all gone. Mm. And and that's the, the thing that kind of 
you know, I really found difficult was that kind of identity and not only the identity, but all my confidence and self-worth and self-belief came from one thing and that was my athletics. Mm. So then when that all changed, you're kind of going, well, who am I? So did I mourn it? Yeah, I mourned it for a couple of years. I, I, it was grief. I was dealing with grief. I didn't yeah. know it at the time, but I had lost a huge part of me and um, I was grieving, but I, one, I couldn't accept it and then two, I didn't know if I was grieving or not, or this is a transition, it'll be grand. Yeah. Give it a couple of weeks. Then you fall into that kind of area of searching for the thing that's going to change everything. Yeah. Um, and th- that was never ending because you're looking for perfection. You know, I was looking for, okay, the destination, but sure, it's not. No, you know? no. And, and, and I think that's part of the, like, cause, the, you know, it's all well and good if I said to you, David, come in here and change that light bulb for me. You can complete the task. Well, yeah, probably. Yeah, yeah, yeah <laughs> but uh, no, I'm, I'm as handy as that as well. I break everything. Yeah. But, but point being, at least it's, at least it's there. But when sometimes when you realize that it's actually the, 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 the road ahead, it actually has just nothing, nothing but curves up, up ahead. Nothing but curves. Yeah. Yeah. And roundabouts and all sorts of stuff, you know, blind bends. Um, and that's the thing. Like, I, I didn't have that plan. I had a plan when I was an athlete. I knew exactly what I was aiming for. Yeah. And I loved that. I loved the routine and structure and having that purpose and a goal. But when, you know, that was gone, then I didn't know, well, do, how do I define success now? Yeah, yeah. Like, and that was it. I, I jumped straight in and was like, I need a job with money. Yeah. Give me money. As more, give me as much yeah. and I'll be happy and I'll be content. So you're chasing, yeah. you're chasing the, and you, the euros. And, you know? and you're starting a career after already a career. Yeah, but it's a career that, you know, people go, oh, well done, well done. But in, in, in the reality of the real world, it, it means shit. Yeah, no, no. I mean, like, because like, I'm 10 years behind nearly everybody That's my else. point. You've come out into a workforce. You, you haven't got that, that, that background and you're turning around and you're saying, and people are going to say to you, as you said, well done, but that doesn't pay mortgages well done, or get bills. To work. Yeah. yeah. It, it, and, it's, and, and you're absolutely right because I can remember like training whatever, 12 years and some of the fastest guys on the planet. Mm. And then two weeks later, I was sitting at a desk. Yeah. And you know, at a, at a, at a laptop kind of going. And what really struck me was like, People coming into work and at the time they come in, it was half eight, they sit down and they wouldn't get up till half four. They'd have their lunch and everything at the desk. Yeah. And like, and look, I'm not being condescending. If that's the way they, they do mm. their daily work, that's fine. But for me, that was so different to mm. the way things were even two weeks prior. Yeah. So like, I'm trying to kind of go, hang on, is, is, is this? And you know, you mentioned kind of like, you know, going out at the weekend for a run there and stuff like that. I can remember one of my first weekends, um, in retirement. I, I woke up on a Saturday and my wife Shara turned to her and I was like, what do normal people do on a Saturday? <laughs> because for my whole entire life, yeah. I trained on a Saturday. Yeah. Now I was waking up and I, didn't have to be anywhere, you know. There was nobody kind of going right here. You go off, you go. Get your reps that, on. And did that and 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 we set in. Did that kind of listlessness set in quickly, or did you did you then turn around and, and you know because it's because it is something people wrestle with. Like I mean, in in that not having something to do. Well. It, it's a good point because like it was September, mm. right? So usually September, I go back training and all that. And that's the start of the year. Mm. And I've probably had like two to three weeks in Dublin going on the absolute tear and yeah, having yeah. the points and hung over and eating what I wanted. Great. And then you kind of get sick of that. Boom. Right. Go back. But this September, I was like, yeah, I can do this. So every weekend it was like, yeah, well, I was kind of catching up yeah. um, on all the things that I kind of hadn't done. But, you know, the middle of September, towards the end of September, I, I was kind of going, right, I've kind of, I've done all this, like, oh, yeah. you know, when, when, when do I kind of crack back into like, you know, training mode? But there was none. And I, I ended up kind of like really struggling in September with that change. And then the subsequent years, 
any time the leaves turned on the trees, mm. I hated that time of year. Really? Yeah, it was just any time like the, the 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 temperature would drop. Autumn, you get that smell of autumn. Yeah. You get the visuals of the the colors. I hated it because that was the time I'd usually go back to Loughborough. I'd go, I'd go back to training with full of vigor and full of enthusiasm for the year ahead. But that was gone. And, um, you know, it was almost like, you know, people talk about that seasonal disorder, yeah, you know, yeah, when yeah, things yeah. change. You had 100%. A, you yeah. had it. It's, um, I think it was, is it Camus who said, uh, autumn is a second spring because every leaf becomes a flower. <laughs> so I look at the leaves and I go, wow. They, they change. <laughs> and you look I at them like, and go, you bastard. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah, he too. <laughs> yeah. And, you know. but, but that's really interesting because the, the psychology then of, of working through that while having the, the requirement to, maintain a family life yeah well yeah. having to and you still have obligations you have lots Stress. of obligations like you know when I think back to that time like oh, like I couldn't say no mm. uh, I was saying yes to everything because I didn't know what the hell I was doing so I just go yes 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 mm. um, and I kept thinking I'll do this you know I might lead to something um, and then I took the first job that came my way uh, why did I take that job it was the first thing that came across my, my mm. lap if you like yeah. and it was very much uh, right yeah money's good yeah I'll do that didn't even look at the description didn't even know what the job entailed I'll mm. do it and probably what really kind of happened then was I was spending an awful lot of time by myself mm. and that was the worst because then the kind of negative thoughts and I began to berate myself and idolising my past and mm. you know kind of more wanting to go back to Loughborough and you know if things got a bit comfortable if if like my boss said oh here will you do this and I was like oh god I don't know how to do that I would then kind of go oh, why am I here what am I doing I want to go back to Loughborough why, why, like what is going on and then the stress money mm. you know I, I, I needed to pay the bills mm. I, you know I got married then the following year to Charlotte and it was like you know right where are we going to live you mm-hmm. know she was from England I brought her now here it was mm-hmm. like the pressure of like I want to get her settled and yeah. you know we're going to have a family we're like mortgage we didn't even have a house like mm-hmm. all of these sort of things and and then the biggest thing was the identity like the status the title so when I walked into a room or I walked into a bar with my mates whatever and people go oh, what do you do I didn't have an answer right and that freaked me out yeah um, yeah, that's really strange. Um, and, and it makes total sense to me. You know, like, what do you do? Yeah. I used to like Jesus. I used, I to, used to be, yeah. Yeah. You know, you know it's the, but then, then you're it's, talking it's about the awful, past. It's that awful Bruce Springsteen, you know, uh, glory days walking, yeah. they were walking in, I was walking out yeah. kind of line. Wow. But, and it's exactly like that. And like, I can remember like, you know, oh, what do you do? Uh, like, you know, you, you come up with some like bullshit. And then, um, it would always go, oh, well, I, I used to like, I used to run my background running like and and then it was like constantly talking about the flipping pass and I always remember Brian O'Driscoll talk about um, you know he was like I just don't want to keep talking about the spear tackle yeah 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 yeah. you know and it's right like you're always looking in the rear view mirror and if you're always talking about the pass it's always front and centre in your own mind and you begin to miss it and it was just like I need to move on how long did it take you to get the realisation whereby this was actually something you needed to change in terms of how your perspective was and yeah like it, it, and like you're spot on because like it took it took it took years. Mm. You know, I'm gonna be honest. Like it took years, and I've spoken openly about that. But like it just, 
I didn't know. So it's the job. Yeah. It's the job, you know, and I, I, I did a bit of psychology kind of qualifications and they talk about this locus of control, yeah. you know, and it, is it internal or is it external? So the great example is like you come home from school, uh, where you're kind of after a maths test and you get your result and it's, it's not great. Mm. And you go, Oh, it's the teacher's fault. The yeah, teacher's yeah. fault, you know, so it's external. You blame someone else or is it, you know, I actually didn't work. You know, I didn't do a whole lot of stuff for this internal. And that was exactly the way I lived for about probably t- nearly two and a half to three years. So, I blamed everything else. I blamed like I wanted, I, I couldn't accept where I was at. So I blamed everything else. And then the way I was feeling, I blamed the job. So I mm. got a new job, exact same scenario. Um, and it was always kind of other things mm. and. It wasn't like, you know, things got pretty bad. Like, you know, I, I, you know, I was very down and all that and depression and things, uh, even suicidal thoughts. And oh, I just, I just couldn't see the light at the end of the tunnel. Yeah. And I thought this is my future. And when you think at those low points and you think, you know, that in that, in that maybe 10 minutes that you, you have that moment where you think maybe I shouldn't, maybe it's better if I'm not here yeah. kind of thing. Yeah. Um, and as, as someone who knows of, you know, I've lost people through yeah. who, who did, what's the kind of thing that helped those moments pass? Do you think? Yeah. Like it's, it's a really good question. And I'll be honest, it's sometimes it's a hard question to answer. I, because, I, I, like, I feel free to tell me the show. Moments, no, but, but you're right. And like, you know, and like, I'm sure there'll be people that be listening to this that might know someone who's struggling or hmm. maybe they've struggled themselves or maybe they're having those thoughts. Like, like there's plenty of times where I had these thoughts, you hmm. know, um, and, you know, close to like, right, yeah. you know, this is it. Um, I'd like, I'd love to say I knew what stopped me. Like, like obviously Charlotte and kind of, you know, like Charlotte would be real, like family orientated and always kind of, you know, mm. would be always talking about like, oh, what we're going to do and what we're in the future and things like that and enthusiastic about that. Like, there was always that thought. Yeah. Um, and then sometimes I'd be kind of like, you know, I'd be pretty pig headed in myself and I'd get these like, strong notions and thoughts but then I'd be like you know it's the argument in my head no I can't succumb to it I can't succumb to it like, yeah. and, and that was probably the competitiveness in it in, in one way but can I so that was your that was your hardest race there you go yeah and we're flipping longest race as well yeah. and look I'll be honest it's probably I'm sitting here today and I'm open talking about it but I still go to counselling yeah absolutely you know, and I, and <laughs> so you're talking to someone like, who's, 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 who tells people go to therapy yeah I've, I do I I've, I haven't been in therapy for a few months now but that's only because it's been a few months to take like go to <laughs> yeah. and we go to therapy talk oh, to oh listen like the, the best thing I've ever done is actually probably show an element of vulnerability never mind the medals and all that sort of stuff that was the biggest thing that helped still me. pretty impressive if I have to be honest I know but, but, but like like I, I'm still working on yeah. that mm. and and even Hell Week someone who I I know and I've done a lot of work with um, kind of she said to me she goes oh but you'll do well at this mm. and I was like oh why why'd you say that you know and she's like because you've done work on yourself yeah and th- that was really kind of interesting because I'd never looked at it that way mm. you know it's kind of like oh I'm going to therapy I'm going to counsellor but it, it's not that it's actually you're doing work on yourself mm. and it's the same going for a run yeah. you're doing physical work on yourself mm. your heart health and fitness and all that sort of stuff you know going and having a conversation is like it created a lot of understanding for me mm. um, now it took a while to, to do that and mm. like you know I'm looking over your bookshelf there and there's Richie Sadler's book there and I, I know Richie and I heard I, I heard him speak at an event mm. um, when I wasn't in a good place and I wasn't at a point where I, I had the confidence to go and talk and I remember Richie kind of talking about his journey when he had to retire and mm. I remember thinking Jesus 
Someone talking to me here, like yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, and uh, and when you start hearing about other people, that must journey. have been that must have been a moment because I've heard Richie speak a few times, and when he talks about it, I, I could see you almost seeing your picture. Yeah, one hundred percent. Yeah, and I remember we walked out after it and said, like, "Oh, good luck, see you later." And, and you're then, both about six foot two, six foot three. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, he's, yeah. He's probably got an inch or two on me now. All right, but um, I can remember then, like. When I did reach out to him a couple of years later, um, he actually said to me, go, you know, he goes, you remember when we had that, you know, I spoke at the event and then we'd walked out and he went one way, I went the other. Uh, good luck. And he he kind of, he said, I, I looked back at you and I said, I wonder now what's going to happen to him. Really? Yeah. I remember he said that and like, I was probably expressing certain things, maybe I didn't know I was, but like he had gone through it. And I, I, I think sometimes... Uh, you know, he probably spotted something. You know, I'm gonna I'm gonna tell a little story about. Um, uh, we both mentioned before we started. You mentioned you seen you'd spotted Richie's book, and I said how uh, Lynn Rowan is yeah. a friend of, of Richie's. And you know, Lynn had an ex- had her experience of how she became friends with Richie. Well, she was <laughs> in the gym. You know, Lynn, yeah, Lynn's, yeah, Lynn's yeah, powerlifting, yeah, and, yeah, yeah. And she looked looked over at Richie, and she saw something, and she said. He's a broken biscuit. Yeah. I'm a broken biscuit. I'm going to be his friend. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So all you broken biscuits out there, right? <laughs> all the broken biscuits, yeah. I think it's a lovely way of putting it because, because, yeah. the, because the biscuit itself still tastes as good, folks. It does, it's yeah. Just, it's, just, it's just a bit cracked, you know? <laughs> it's a bit cracked, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and I just thought, but she told that story and I remember thinking to myself going, wow, you know, yeah. and she looked and she saw something. So yeah. so it's amazing how those little moments can 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 give us that sort of sense of clarity. And I do think it's a really important thing that you recognize that that is your, that has been your longest, hardest race as someone who was a sprinter. Yeah, listen, yeah. And look, I'll be looking after my mental health for the rest of my life. And mm. I'm okay with that, but I'll be looking after my, my physical mm. um, for the rest of my life as well. So they're, they're very much entwined. And how are you finding, you've mentioned Hell Week. Yeah. So that was mad. Like that was mad. Yeah, it was bonkers. Yeah. yeah, yeah. But H- hardest thing I've done. Really? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, like yeah. anyway, like it did, well, like I'll be honest, right? Like the hardest part of it must have been the psychological thing of of sleep deprivation, big time, and and yeah. feel, like I mean, like you're, I do ridiculous. Um, I love doing sort of Spartan and um, tough mother and all of those oh, things, yeah, yeah, you know. Yeah. And I've had my nose broke with a fellow climbing over a wall, kicking me in the face, and you know, cracked ribs and <laughs> all that sort of stupid stuff. But that's the. Actually, that's I'm telling you that because I'm proud of it. Like, yeah, there, yeah, there yeah. I was finishing anyway and coming back. Yeah. And but what you Going were doing thin, yeah. was absolutely insane. And that, yeah, it, it was like, and like, you know, there's everything involved in it. Like, you know, from the physical to the mental to the emotional. Um, you know, you've no connection to the outside world. All your technology is taken away from you. You're away from your family, your kids, all that kind of stuff. But like, like people always say, well, why did you do it? Like, yeah. like, you know, because at the end of the day, there was, there was, we did it for charity. Mm. You know, there was no great money or anything like that. You weren't kidding. Like people think you're on TV. Oh, you've made it. No, no <laughs> it's not like that. Um, I wanted to, I wanted to see if I still had it. Yeah. Essentially. I wanted to see if like, am I just living now? You know, am I just kind of just going from day to day or, you know, can I push myself? Can I go to the well? You know, you know, all the stuff that so I used every, to do. This was a proven ground. It was 100% a proven ground for me, yeah. And that's all I wanted. I wanted to see if I could challenge myself and could I put myself out of uh, the comfort zone and be mm. challenged on numerous levels 
and get through. Mm. And I just wanted to see. I wanted to see if I still had that element of grit that I had when I was back doing 400s, yeah. um, which arguably kind of defined me. And, you know, was I resilient? Am I resilient? Um, and, and that's why I did it. And like, I didn't know how it was going to pan out, but again, I think back to it now and I absolutely loved it. Mm. Like, you know, it was the hardest thing I've ever done. Like, we probably got less than, no, I know we did. We got less than seven hours in the whole week so of sleep. Like, yeah. So, so you were talking like, you know, like, I mean, even, even first time parents tend to get a bit more than that in a week. You know? In a week. <laughs> I know. Yeah. And then food and everything. And like, probably one you of the, you're not a, like, it's not like you were carrying a, a calorie surplus to begin with. No, like, you know, like, I, my genetics, my grandparents and my parents and all that. But, you know, I'd be slender. Um, but I came home and like Charlotte got the shock of her life. I was gaunt. Mm. I, and even on the last show on TV when I was watching that, I was like, Oh my God, like, like, where am I? Yeah. You know, and, and even after that two weeks, um, I was waking up during the night shouting and screaming. I was sweating with the change the bed sheets. I, the first kind of initial week, I was shouting at the kids. Yeah. I, oh yeah. Like I was, like I was completely like, like, I wasn't aggressive or anything, but, but I was is, extremely is, like, you know, what are you doing? You're I'm on shouting. edge. Yeah. Oh, completely and, and utterly on edge. Because like, there's, yeah, there's an old saying that they say, what was the other mad book that everybody got into? Um, Born to Run. Born to Run, yeah. yeah, yeah. I thought you might say that. Everybody yeah, I was looking at it on the shelf there, here. I don't know, is it? Probably. I definitely <laughs> read it. If you, like, we've all read it, but, the, but it's that line. The one line I did steal from it, which is different. I like the line where you want to go into your head where you say, because like... You know, we've done marathons. You've done, you've done a marathon. Where the, you know, it's the not line, a can of beer, folks. Yeah, it, we're we're on we're on the we're on the diet coke. We're on the coke zero. But yeah. uh, but the the line was that you know you've enough um, calories in your liver to run back to back marathons is the myth. And but sometimes I was always telling I always think myself stupid enough to tell myself that. Yeah. So when some going through a, a moment like like you actually spoke about recently on your podcast, which people should listen to. Yeah. Um, you were talking about that, that moment where you hit the wall and didn't realise, like, you hadn't had experienced it before. Yeah. Like, I, I, that's where I go. And that line comes back to me at that moment going, I know, you're grand. You've yeah. got enough, cal- you've got enough calories in your. <laughs> but you're right though. And that's the thing. When I, like, even going through Hell Week and, and there was other, obviously, people there and we were kind of saying, hey, like, did, how are we even surviving? Like, calories, mm. like, so low. Mm. You know, probably somewhere about a thousand to twelve hundred, I'd imagine. Like, yeah. it was. And then obviously all the work and all the physical, but even the emotional stress. Um, and like all of that, you're kind of going, how am I even standing? Mm. But it's amazing. Now, I'm not saying you could do that for weeks on end, no. but like it's amazing at the, like what it, what your body is capable of. And I remember at the end, a few of the DSs were saying like, you know, obviously we're probably only living at 40% of our capabilities, yeah. you know, of, of where you can go when you need to go there. Yeah. And, and that was the amazing thing. And like, a lot of challenges, like probably one of the hardest things was, um, when we had to evaluate ourselves. Yeah. You know, flipping hell, like, you know, and then evaluate everybody else. But then there was a psychologist you were brought into who gave this information back. And, you know, even I put my hands up, like, you know, my self awareness, um, was way off. Yeah. You know, I, I scored myself very low, mm. whereas everybody else scored me quite high, which was nice. Um, and you can come away from that going, oh, people like me, stuff like that. But for me, I was like, well, why am I scoring myself so low? There's too much of a gap there. Why am I yeah, yeah. putting well, myself what, down well, here? Was it? It, it was, I remember doing, um, they do the, 
so in in a lot of corporate financing, they they will do your character testing. Yeah. They'll do all these yeah. things as you know in the corporate world they do. And one of them came back with this like. It's probably sitting around here somewhere, like twenty-eight page report into <laughs> the psychology of Tony Groves, yeah. and someone handed it to me and said, "And they give you the so there's like a little executive summary at the beginning, and I looked at it and I said, oh, that short is my picture.' It was that could be a bestseller now, Tony. Yeah, for like <laughs> the psychopathy of it, maybe, yeah. but but no, but it's just that kind of. So when you when you do have that self awareness, I only had that self awareness because. Genuinely, I mean this. I haven't changed jobs and places. They made you do these things, yeah. so you weren't surprised by these things. Yeah, this was, you know, this was. Oh, I remember that. In the last time I can work on that, I can remember that. I can work on that. Yeah, and am I still the same monster underneath? Yeah, I, mm. I am. But can I manage the monster a bit better? I think I can. Mm. Maybe that's maturity. Maybe it's just it's a bit of self awareness. Can I ask? Just going back to then. That moment where you were talked about in, and I, and I don't want to be specific to Dublin Marathon, but that moment, there's a little moment where you said you hit that wall around 18, 19 miles, right? You then said in, on, on the podcast, which you all have to go listen to about, you know, you couldn't stop because you're going to pass your, your, your kids. You couldn't yeah, stop. You're going yeah. to pass your club. And there's that, you know, that little hill outside DC, outside, outside UCD. Oh, Roebuck Hill. Yeah. yeah. Jesus. Yeah. Yeah. It's not little. I hate that. Yeah. So, well, like I, and I ran that in my training. A yeah. few times, yeah. and you kind of run. You go, oh, it's actually not that bad. I think it's um, it could be about two hundred meters, yeah, maybe something like that. Um, but it's where it hits you, yeah. Like it's so late on in the marathon, and um, and and for you, you <laughs> said something really interesting. You said, "I know I can cut through." Yeah, I could go to UCD, yeah, and go yeah, home. Yeah, yeah, for me, I know if I head straight on, as opposed to where they make you turn at RTE kind of thing. Mm. Um, you can. You can be, you know, it's like I'm only 5k from home. Yeah. Or are they going to make me run another six miles? Yeah. Yeah. And it's that, it's that it's mental the battle. That, yeah. That's the, so for the first time when you're doing something like that, as now, as a, a, a former athlete, I got to say, even, yeah, yeah, or, yeah. or, or, a, or a weekend warrior like myself. <laughs> yeah, yeah. How did you find that little battle? Again, see, it's funny because I'd never, like, bear in mind, you're 15 minutes faster than me, even at my best. <laughs> Go ahead. But I've never experienced anything like it. And I, I, I suppose, like, I can remember I hit Rakar and just severe, severe yeah. cramp on my hamstrings. Never experienced anything. Like, and yeah. it just came on bang. Yep. And, um, doing the chicken dance. Oh, like the stay to me, you know? Um, and then I, I had to stop. And then you're kind of going, Oh, you're looking at the watch. And yeah. then you're looking behind you going, where's the next balloon? Yeah. Where's the next balloon? And, I don't know. I, I think by that stage, I probably, I knew this was going to be really hard to go sub three and I mm. knew kind of, right. Um, I just got to get back moving. And, and the weather was bad that day. It was, in it was ideally warm. It was, it was really warm. Yeah. yeah. And all these kind of variables. And like, I suppose the battle in my own head was like, I always knew I was going to finish, mm. you know, yeah, yeah. I always knew whatever way I'm going to cross that line. And that there was no negotiation and there was no option. You're finishing this. Yeah. But. I think what I found really hard was like going up, say, Klonski, like that is a long road. I know. That is a long road. And the battle in the head, like the legs and just. There's less people around in parts of It's so that. quiet. Yeah. From, from Ashton's all the way up, mm. there's no one there. It's like a desert. Right. And it's, it's amazing how you go from like Terenure to, to Ratgar to Milltown. People. On like, fire, yeah. Everywhere through Milltown. And then you suddenly swing the bend, uh, onto Klonski Road and it's like a, it's just deserted. And that's when you're kind of going, oh shit. And then the voice is like, just yeah. have a little walk. Yeah. Just have a little walk. 
And then you're kind of, I can't, I can't. And I remember in Hell Week, right? The hard task of the hike in Hell Week, I came out of the forest and I could see Satanta mm. being ahead of me. And I remember looking up going, Oh my God. Like the hill was just almost vertical. Yeah. And I could see Satanta ahead and he was stopping. And as I was kind of walking, I was like, oh, Satanta looks as if he's stopping there. And that kind of gave me a bit, oh, I can catch him. Mm. But then I, it was, it was way marked. Yeah. I walked to the next kind of marking point. I'll stop for 20 seconds. Yeah. I did that twice. And I was like, David, these aren't 20 seconds. Yeah. It was getting longer and longer. Mm. I just said to myself, just keep moving step by step. Just keep going. And when it's going on Clonsky Road, that's what came back into my head. It was just like, just, even if you're going slow, just keep just, that just momentum. Just throw the legs. Mm. Cause if you stop, it's very, very hard to get going. And, and that was kind of the most difficult bit. And when, when like, when I swung that up to Roebuck, there was, Roebuck was packed. Yeah. Yeah. And I, like, I was just like, just get up this hill. And, I, you know, I got, got around and got back down to the I, end of the I'll give you my own, um, personal clan ski moment, which was really funny because, you know, um, we, we touched on, uh, the kind of the area but at the time it was always it was always it was a wasteland compared to like I, I love going through sort of you know like Castle Knock is just you get chills in parts of Castle Knock oh Lock. that was music, amazing live music yeah, amazing. all sorts of amazing. But, but so one time like you just said I said I said to myself there's no one around I can allow myself to walk for a little bit <laughs> no one around so I decided I could walk for a little bit and I looked to my left and you know you have your name on your yeah, on, on your bib, yeah. and Stuart Lancaster standing there on his own. Oh, really? On his own. <laughs> and he says, he goes, he says, "Come on, Tony, you've got this." Oh yeah. And I went, "You're Stuart Lancaster," out loud. Yeah, 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 yeah. Because <laughs> yeah, that's yeah. where you are in your head. Oh, like yeah. you're not, you're not really. Well, how funny is it, right? When. But when he told me I had to do it, I said, oh, I, "That's I, what I mean." I have to go. I have to run yeah. again. Well, now. how funny is it that we're like. I never understood this because I've never ran a marathon. I've yeah. never ran any endurance. Yeah. Like, like it's always better inside the ropes. Yeah. And the name on, on your number, the amount, like the people will just, they'd look at you and go, Oh, keep going, David. Yeah. And th- that could mean everything to yeah, you. Yeah. I don't know this person. Yeah, they don't yeah. know me. Yeah. But like even that word of encouragement. And that's what kind of blew my mind was yeah. like, you know, the minute someone would say and they kind of look at you, keep going. It just gives you that little yeah. bit of motivation and oh, to, get it, going. The like, city yeah. is magic on, on marathon day. Umber, yeah. I, like I, I never ever, I've never experienced an atmosphere like it. Mm. Like when I was competing 400 meter, it's over. It's a sprint. Yeah. There could have been two people. There could have been 200,000 people at it. You, you just don't take it all in. There's no, you don't get the time to absorb the atmosphere. Yeah. Dublin Marathon, unbelievable. I think everybody should do the marathon. Whether you walk it, jog it, run I, it, whatever. I, I think you should try. It. And then, uh, that's the thing is, I'm, I'm, I'm a glutton. I'm, th- I'm here raging that I missed this. I had like, I'm showing David my, my, my finger. I got really bad infection in it. I got all sorts of my toe, <laughs> everything burst, all the skin burst. It was mad, right? Absolute mad. And I just raging that I missed it. In my head, I thought to myself, I could still walk it. You yeah, know, I just yeah, wanted yeah. to do it. And yet, if someone says to me, what's it, what advice would you give me? I'd go, uh, do a 10k. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, no, well, we, we never listen to our own advice half <laughs> no, the time. No. No. Um, can we go to the, to now where I believe you are now as the face and probably some of the best, um, side of the track conversations that have been had in the history of Irish athletics you've been the man behind the microphone <laughs> and this is I, I wrote it down and I told you I was going to say this is where that hard work and repetition and, and graft to become that broadcaster has met the confluence of also immensely talented ath- young athletes on the way through mm. and it's a, it's a such I think the mix 
uh, how you are held in such high regard and the talent of these people is just it's just phenomenal so yeah like, like I, I appreciate it like in Yes, the talent is out there. Like we've, we're really kind of riding the crest of, of a wave here in Irish athletics. And obviously recently Eurocross as well, more mm, medals. Yeah. Um, you know, Munich was just, Munich was amazing, you know, and nobody expected it to go that well. And like, I, I think first of all, it's a privilege to be in a position where I'm the first person to interview these athletes when they come off the track. And, you know, I suppose Munich went very well for me because there was happy athletes, there was positivity, they were smiling. Um, And when you have a happy, smiley athlete, they talk. Mm. And, you know, I'm just a medium in that. And I I think there's an element Uh, where... I think there's an element of that they know you as well. No, and that's where I was kind of going with that. I I think there is... I'd like to think there's a bit of respect there. They know... That it's a, it's a friendly face. Um, they know that they know me. They can maybe feel a little bit more comfortable in my presence. Um, and also the fact that I used to run. Like, mm. like I know in my experience, um, if I was talking to someone who had competed at a high level and all that, I'm, I'm going to be a little bit more relaxed. They know what sport it is. They know what questions to ask. And maybe they know how I was feeling in those, in, in those moments. And it's like, it's brilliant and it's great. And, but it's also, I get nervous. I'd be shitting myself yeah, before it, yeah, it's starting yeah. because you're kind of going like, oh, is this going live? And there's is, so is, much going on. Like, do you get nervous for the athletes? Oh, I'd be, yeah, yeah. Like, Jesus, yeah. Like, if the camera was rolling, you know, say for Rashida or Israel yeah. or Kira, whoever it might be, like, you know, I'd be kind of, you know, palms are sweaty and all the rest of it because you're yeah. just kind of, I know what they're feeling. And, and interesting enough, like, what I've really kind of learned is the impact of what happens on the track, um, how that impacts, say, uh, people in the, in the stand, mm. like the, the fans or their parents. And yeah. I actually like, I get quite, quite emotional when I look at it because I've never experienced that mm. because I was so focused. I was on track. I didn't know what my parents were doing. I didn't yeah. know what my brothers and sisters or, or Charlotte in the stand. I, I never got to see their reaction. Yeah. And I get it. I get a sense of pride now that like, you know, when I see someone winning or doing well and the joy it brings to the people in, in, in the stand, I, I've never w- seen that. Yeah. And I, I think Louise Shannon, people probably wouldn't have seen when Louise, she made the 800 meter final. She yeah. had a fantastic championship. When I, I can't, I think it was after the, after semi final, she realized she'd made the final, a European final. She ran off the track into the stand and hugged her dad. Yeah. And I remember it was just like, what a moment. And you can see the stewards and all running after her to come back, yeah, but like yeah, she yeah. didn't care. Dad coaches her as well. Yeah. And it was just one of these moments like, you know, what she had done and how her dad had felt must have been just like, that's, that's the stuff of dreams. Yeah. And, um, you know, it's those moments that when I'm there, I see that and, you know, it's, but there's like, I think, but, you're, but again, there's a, there's a skill that you don't, you're not really giving yourself any credit for of being able to walk the, that line between former athlete of great renown, broadcaster, asking the right question that the people want to know at home and analyzing. Yeah. Like, it, I suppose when I kind of started getting a few opportunities in this, I, I used to like, like days in advance, I'd be going through all results. I'd yeah. be going through everything, all the stats and athletics is full of stats. And I'd be going over to the championships and I'd have like a book of information. Yeah, yeah. And then an athlete would fall start or an athlete wouldn't run well. Mm. And then what do you do? And I can remember being in Belgrade for the, the European indoors. Um, 
and um, Phil Jones used to do all the trackside for BBC. Yeah. And Phil has interviewed me over the years with BBC and next minute I'd stand beside him in this capacity as reporter yeah. and got chat really nice fella and um, I was like oh Phil come on now g- give me some tips and he turned around and he said um, don't plan mm. and I was like what do you mean? He goes, well, when I started out in this, I had all the questions, lists of questions and then an athlete, something would happen mm. and all that is out the window. And that was a great piece of advice because then you live in the moment a bit more and I'm trying to think about the people at home where they might tune into athletics every four years, maybe once a year and they don't want to know about mm. what has gone on before. All they want to know is what happened on the screen that they're watching. Mm. And I try and keep it relevant like that and, and get a sense of like, you know, what were you thinking? Like, you know, what was the plan? Like, yeah. you know, you took the bell, Kira, you were, you were on like, uh, Laura Muir's shoulder. What were you trying to do there? And, and try and get that back to people because nobody knows how fast, like nine seconds, never mind 12 seconds or whatever it is, you know? Yeah. So there's no point going into that and, kind of stats of it. Like. And the real thing there is as well is that there is a place for those nine, 12 second questions, but they're not in that moment afterwards because you know, you might, you could be covering something and there could be a couple of hundred people at it or you could be at something. Whereas when you're covering a, an international event, yeah, yeah, you're getting the casual fan. <laughs> yeah. And they're not like, you know, it's not, I always use the thing, I, I get in trouble all the time because I can go into uh, politics speak very easily. Yeah. But it just disengages people. <laughs> you know what I mean? I, like, and, and very much if you're going to say, well, in, our first 60 meters here are going to need to be X where, you know, You've lost me. Yeah, exactly. You've lost me. (laughs) That's podcast chat. Yeah, exactly. But like, you know, at the end of the day, I'll have, like, if we went live, Mm. I would have someone in my ear saying, right, two minutes, right, minute. And you're trying to keep your head, and that's all you have, Mm. two minutes. Even if it's a a record that goes out a minute or two later, I'll only have like three minutes. If I start going too long and asking those questions, it probably won't get used because it just doesn't fit. So again, you're trying to think, okay, and and, and that you got to be sharp. You got to think on your feet. You got to go with the flow, Mm. you know, and I try and kind of listen to the athlete as well. Mm. You know, when they're talking, what are they saying? Yeah. Because they might say something really good. But if I have a list of questions, I'm disregarding that and going straight in for the next question where someone at home goes, Oh, that was really interesting. Mm. So I just try and kind of, I try and keep it simple. How are you finding that transition then from sort of being famous for this one thing to almost being famous for another thing? And, <laughs> and that's, I know, like you're still just David Gillick, the, the lad from, uh, I laugh. What, I, what, was, like, what was it? Kill McCord Croaks? Was oh, it? Jesus, don't mention Kill McCord Croaks. <laughs> <laughs> oh, hell. I'd be shot. Ballantyre St. John's, oh, up God. and coming on the south side. Let me tell you. We were on the doorstep in the Fina. Yeah, here. never mind them. Will you stop? <laughs> but, uh, no, like, I mean, like, you, no, but, uh, that's just it, like, you know, because we, we, before we were talking, you were talking about trying to play a bit of five-a-side, doing, you know, doing, yeah. doing all these things. And, and it, But it is a transition. Are you are you finding now, that given what we've spoken about, how, how that journey has been, that there's a lot more, that even even if things are in flux, you're not, you're not as, um, uh, not as out of, feeling out of control as maybe you were uh, when you were looking for it? Yeah, and, and that's a really good point. Like, I think, like, first of all, I'm very lucky. I'm very lucky to, to be given these opportunities. And I suppose to give myself a bit of credit, I've, I've jumped at them. And yeah. sometimes I'm thinking, oh, I'm going to be found out here. You know, one more, oh God, you See, know. The secret to imposter syndrome <laughs> yeah. to realize we all have it. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. So, like, yeah, like, it's funny. It's nice. Like, it's nice to, uh, I suppose, to find something that I enjoy. Um, Something that, I'll be honest, doesn't feel like work. Mm. Um, and also that 
I'm 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 good at and and, and people kind of acknowledge that I'm you good are. at you know and, and and that's nice um and like it's yeah like it, it's hard to kind of sometimes I sometimes I forget sometimes maybe I don't take stock of it all you know you just kind of keep going and going but um no I think I'm managing it okay like you know. I think, like, look, at the end of the day, I work for myself as well. So mm. that has its own challenges. And you go through the peaks and troughs of a year and you're kind of thinking, oh, no, like, you know, the stress that comes with that. And Oh, we know. Yeah. And, and that's part of sometimes the problem because I know in terms of the work that I do, like, it revolves a bit of time to invest in yourself, the, the preparation to know what's going on in the sport and keep connected to it. Um, and that takes time. And sometimes I, I probably might rush and kind of, oh, I'll do all the other stuff. And then suddenly you kind of go, oh God, I need to prep for this at the weekend. And I think it's, it's like slowing yourself down a little bit. And that's something that I've learned over the last while. And when I do that, I'm a better person. I'm, I'm more efficient. I'm, I'm more in tune to, to the work that I'm doing. I'm engrossing a little bit more. Whereas if I keep myself too busy, yeah. I lose control and I'm, I'm not good with that. Can I ask you one last question then? Your family. Yeah. You're blessed with three children. Yeah, yeah. You have a lovely wife who obviously cares about you a lot because she puts up with you. Jesus, yeah. Um, <laughs> how do you find that has changed the dynamics of, because obviously when you were an elite athlete. I was P1. Yeah. I was priority number there, one. There's an old, so I, I remember years ago when um, Chris Rock was in Dublin, he, he, he did a special and you had to give your phone. You weren't allowed to have your phone, all this sort of stuff. And yeah. he came out and he said, and he opened the, the, he opened the show by saying, um, just, just gotten divorced. He said, and the reason I got divorced is because I wanted to be the lead singer and sometimes I had to play tambourine. Yeah. And I remember thinking, actually, it's a really good it's insight. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It's a yeah. really interesting insight. How have you found that? Like that kind of sums it up. Like I think, like Charlotte ran, yeah. so we met through athletics, um, and I think the reason our relationship kind of worked was one. Obviously, we were attracted to each other and all that, and we got <laughs> on well. But you know, over the years, she understood um, that I was priority. But she she would always say this. You go, yeah, like I was, I was P two, mm. um, but I knew that w- wasn't going to last forever, and I think. Over time, I began to understand that as well. And initially, the first couple of years, you know, I was still trying to be, you know, it's, it's all, it's me. No, yeah. I want to do this. I want to do this. It's but the David show. It's the David show. And then, like, you know, marriage, uh, kids, we've three kids, Oscar, Olivia, and, and, and Louis, you know, it's six, four, and 20 months. Oh, so it's full on. That, that's, that's Hell Week every week. That's Hell Week every week. Well, I went to Hell Week and then Charlotte was like, you're going on Hell Week. You're leaving me here with three kids. Yeah, like, yeah, what are you yeah, talking yeah. about? But I, I think it's taken a while. It's definitely taken a while. And I think as well, like, you know, through kind of counseling, I, I, I understood kind of letting go mm. of, of that sort of, um, you know, it's all about me and understanding that, you know, I've got other responsibilities now. I've got dependents. I've got like Charlotte, I've got kids. And in a way that's kind of helped slow me down a little bit. Um, mm. But also, like, it's, it's definitely, like, it's all about the family now. And at sometimes I might lose sight of that. You get really busy, not spending the time. And, you know, it's, that's where you need to kind of check in. Um, and Charlotte will be good. Like, Charlotte knows me inside out. She knows mm. me better than anybody else. And she also knows what makes me tick. 
So she will see if I'm not doing certain things, she'll be on my back to go. Mm. You need to go for a run. Mm. You know that, and that's literally what's happened. You need to get out and go for a run. Yeah, yeah. And she knows the impact of that. And I think, you know, it's definitely like she's more managing me um, nowadays. You know, than maybe I was kind of I'm managing everything. Yeah, yeah. Um, but also I think you kind of learn and you adapt and you kind of I've realised you know, her skills more and what she's good at. And maybe from family perspective, mm. you know, I want, like, we're only laughing the other night. I was like, you, I think you should just manage all the financial stuff in the house. Cause I, I just can't do this. Like, mm. you know, it's, she'd be, she'd be the best way of kind of putting it is I'd be quick to say yes and slow to say no. Yeah. Whereas she'd be the opposite. And she'd, and she'd, uh, well, you need that balance. I think you need that balance. I know. Yeah. Absolutely. And I think it's, I know I just start a conversation. I can actually almost, you say you want to slow down, but you're, you're a guy who sort of lives a hundred miles an hour, even, even when you're sitting down. Uh, my head would, yeah. yeah. No, you're, you're right, yeah, I would, yeah. And I think it's, but I think that you've found peace with that. I have found peace with it. Now it's still, I need to check in on it, yeah. you know, and, you know, like that as well, I've got to sometimes check that hang on I might put myself I might put myself back to P1 here yeah, you know yeah, and yeah, kind yeah. of like what about the kids and you know time off and all that sort of stuff and but I look do you know what it is I think I've got better at checking in with myself mm. and that's something I probably didn't really do for maybe six or seven years when I retired mm. like as an athlete very good at that mm. Like even simple things like journaling. I used to have a training diary. I'd right. write down at the end of the day how I was feeling, how it went, what did I think, blah blah blah. Now I just tweet. <laughs> now I just tweet. Yeah, yeah. Just let it, let let the world know. But no, it's it's one of them. It's kind of um, I think it's just kind of managing yourself. And um, yeah, like I used to be. I used to think that everything had to be planned out. Yeah. I used to think that map. I had to have the blueprint all in front of me. Um, and even I think when I retired, that was what it was all about. I needed to have a plan. Whereas now I kind of go with the flow a little bit more. Mm. Um, and you need to be agile. Like yeah, you know, absolutely. And and but I do think you've got a good support structure there now. Oh, one hundred percent. Yeah, definitely, definitely. And 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 I know kind of. You know, it's like anything, like you've got family yourself, mm. you know, you know what it, I think I struggled initially. I wasn't mentally present with the people that mattered most. Mm. And it's taken me a while to kind of now when I'm with the kids in Charlotte, I can mentally be there as well. My yeah. mind's not racing. I'm not should be doing this, should be doing that. I am, I'm kind of more content. And, uh, I think that's a great way to be with your family. It is, and 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 I think we'll wrap on that on the basis that that's where we, where you are happiest, David. And I really appreciate you giving me time. You are a great uh, a great broadcaster. You are a phenomenal athlete, and you are an absolute hero of mine. And there you go. So I'm delighted you gave me the time to talk today. And I hope people will check out your podcast, continue to support the work, and look at the look at the great athletes coming up. Yeah, and just appreciate them, folks. Because it's so bloody hard to, like, we don't talk about how hard it is to get anywhere in international athletics. It's, I mean, these are the creme de la creme. And, uh, they are. And to give them all credit as well, a lot of them are individuals and it's very hard to do something at that level mm. by yourself. Um, and they're, they're all brilliant. And you know, that's where I look at them and kind of go like fair play to you. Like people at, who are still teenagers competing mm. at a high level and their own CEOs, they're pushing the boundaries. Um, and also 
putting Irish vests, mm. you know, at the highest level in athletics. It's great. Yeah, the future's bright. Thanks for listening, folks. I hope you enjoyed that. I know I really, really did. Thanks so much, David. And uh, listen, do check out the podcast. The link is in this one. So when you finish with this, you can click on and, and go see. Read, uh, go back, listen to the other one with Kieran McGee. It's a great conversation with another brilliant athlete. Talk to you all very soon. Take care. Bye bye. Tony and Martin, Martin and Tony, speaking to interesting people only. It's the Echo Chamber Podcast. Subscribe now on page.